The following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you the Saturday night edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Lou, I apologize. I should, I wish I wish I had written down your number uh, last week so that I could contact oh. you before Thursday's show because well, we had I a... couldn't do it anyway. I couldn't do it anyway, Steve, because I was uh, committed to another show for Thursday anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. Oh, okay. Because uh, we actually normally, as know. you know, we do we do the Survivor or Big Brother Memories podcast usually on Thursday. However, Correct. we made a uh, we made a different choice this week because it was I the see. NFL draft. We decided right. to do uh, to do live commentary and analysis over the, the first round of the NFL draft this week. Right. Uh, but uh, normally on Thursdays, I'm committed to another podcast. I'm co-host with two other guys, so uh, I had to attain to that anyway. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, when you get the chance, though, you know, uh, you, you, should, uh, you should listen to, uh, to Thursday's show because there right. was quite the discussion. There was quite the discussion that I had with, uh, with Jim and, uh, yeah. and Evan uh, as we oh. broke down pretty much each pick as it you know, as they so came in. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was actually a very intense, uh, a very intense night, you know, as, how as long were the, you on uh, Boy, um, we were on for about four hours, but it cuts us no off way. at around, us off uh, on the recording. I, let me double check, actually. Let me see how much yeah. actually recorded. Because usually after the third hour, it only records for a certain extra amount, like an extra 15 minutes, and then it cuts off, even if you're still on right, the line. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, the recording, it only, yeah, it only lasted about 15 minutes extra. So, uh, I see. basically, probably people, any anybody that was, uh, that that's listening to the extra uh, or to the archives, they're probably going to miss, I think, anywhere from, I think, probably right after the Steelers pick because I know it took about 45 minutes for them to even finish the final picks. Of well, the, we started uh, at 8 o'clock, round. and we started before even the first pick started because they were doing their pre-show with everything, with the concert and whatnot, and uh, commercials, and waiting for the first boo from Roger Goodell. Oh, boy. So, uh, you know, we started uh, our our broadcast before the first pickup started, and we went straight through until the, until it ended about just after midnight. And, oh, boy, you want to talk about being to the point of exhaustion? We were exhausted. Yeah, we did so. We did sort of the same thing where we, we started off at 8 o'clock instead of 9 because, uh, because yeah. you know, we thought that, of course, we were going to we were gonna get started immediately. We weren't anticipating all these stupid little musical performances that took right. up a majority of a majority of the uh the opening to the First show and plus yeah and plus uh Roger Goodell showing off his little chair having uh you know having the fans 
uh, a fan from each team get to sit in it. Yeah, it's talk, talk about a fucking brown noser. Um, and yeah. speaking of brown nosers, actually the uh, the Rams. I don't know if you if you uh, if you saw this when they showed their war room. Uh, I think it was yesterday, yes, yes, maybe. When yep. they showed their war room, they had a uh, a painting of Roger Goodell. No joke. Why don't I just throw darts in this picture? It was it was ridiculous, <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah. Looking at this whole entire, looking at the the whole entire draft as a as a whole, you know, there were quite a few surprises. I think in the first round. Uh, oh yeah, especially wanna, in the top ten. Yeah, exactly. W- with the top ten, I mean, it was pretty obvious. You know, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson were going one and two. That was pretty much a lock. Uh, number three, though, you know, the San Francisco Forty ers yep. They. Everybody was thinking that that it was going to be Mac Jones, you know. Yes. Everybody, and all of a sudden, San Francisco decided to go with Trey Lance. And I said this on on the show uh, right before the pick uh, was revealed. I said, you know, there's two things that's going to happen with this. Either a, if it's Mac Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo's gone. If it's yeah. Trey Lance, if it's Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Then maybe Garoppolo will st- Garoppolo will stay, and they'll do basically the Patrick Mahomes, uh, Alex Smith routine. And right, you know, I was I, I definitely wasn't expecting Trey Lance, but you know, when they when they uh, when they drafted Trey Lance, I was like, well, you know, that kind of explains now why the why the demand for Garoppolo was such a was such a high draft pick. Because they were they were asking at least a first uh, a, a first or a second for Garoppolo, so the fact that they weren't able to get that at all, and there were there were a whole bunch of rumors like oh the Patriots are uh, engaging in contract talks with Garoppolo to try and either restructure his deal or to give him a longer right. deal. Yes. There was a whole bunch of stuff that was going around, and the more that I the more that I thought of it, the more I thought maybe this whole entire thing is a complete smokescreen because mm. why San Francisco trades up like they did, I literally thought yeah. it was going to be for somebody that was NFL ready, like a Mac Jones. I was not expecting Trey Lance. Yeah. What did you – what did you think, Lou, of of the Forty ers choice to decide to go with the project as opposed to somebody that was fully NFL ready? Well, I mean, you know, it's not surprising that there's always to be something that throws us in a whammy, and this was and this was theirs. So uh, most of the picks did um, went my went as I thought I was going to go, but that number three pick, you know, that was that did I think catch us off guard and caught me off guard a little bit. Yeah, and exactly. The, and you know, so they, their second pick moved up uh, to the top fifteen, so like that was a bit of a surprise. That's oh, not no, the first pick they got, but the second pick. Yeah, it was a surprise, but it was it was a terrific move by them, though, to pick Elijah yes. Vera Tucker out of USC. Uh, you want you, if there was one of the one of the things that was known about the Jets is they had one of the worst pass protections of all the teams last year. No, and, really. <laughs> yeah, 
Duh. If you're bringing in if you're bringing in a new quarterback like Zach Wilson, you're going to want yes. to surround him with with as much uh, as much protection as possible. Something that apparently yeah. you know the Bengals still can't seem to understand. Uh, and with them trading up like they did, I knew it had to be it had to be alignment because uh, either alignment or a receiver. But the way I thought of it, I'm like, yeah. well. You know, Smith and Waddle are already gone. So even though it's a even though it's a deep receiver draft, you know, the next receiver wasn't really expected to be taken until after twenty. The Giants, I thought that was a bit of a reach taking Kadarius Tony at number twenty. Yes. Because I kind of thought that he was one he was one of the receivers that was gonna slip uh excuse me, that was gonna slip into the second round. I was not expecting him at all to to go as high as 20 as he did. But with the Jets taking Elijah Vera Tucker, I think it did two things. Number number one, it reinforced the fact that this Jets team under Robert Sally is going to be completely different in terms of how things are run. Because I guarantee you, you wouldn't have seen this same thing happen if Adam Gase was still the coach. No, then his name be Elijah Sucker, not Tucker. And number two, this told me that Belichick wanted Tucker because Tucker was was his number one guard on his list. And when Tucker went, that base hand, I think, and unless they were going to go with Mac Jones the entire time at number 15, because, you know, everybody was expecting the Patriots to move up. And surprisingly, there was a report that came out that said a team in the top ten put out an offer to the Patriots before they uh, before they made their official pick in the top ten. That team put out an offer to the Patriots for that for that pick, and the Patriots said, no, we're good. So that right there told me that, if they're going for a quarterback, it wasn't Fields. That Fields was not even on their radar. Right. So for Mac Jones to fall all the way to number 15, I, I will guarantee you this. I think Jones will be starting at some point this season. Oh, yeah. Especially, sure. if, Cam, especially if Cam Newton gets, gets off to the, to the, hor- the horrific uh, – if he gets off to a horrific start like how he finished the season – last year. I think he's done. But then again, you think he's done? Yeah. He's not the same as he was. So, I think Newton, I mean, Newton's seen better days. And I think he's going to have more of a horrible start. And I think also, this sort of, this sort of puts a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a timer, if you would, on Jarrett Stidham, I think too, because the way I'm thinking of this is that st- they may decide to bring back Brian Hoyer and maybe release Jarrett Stidham, wow. or release or release or trade Jarrett Stidham, because right. Stidham. It, 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 it's obvious that if Stidham had any future with the Patriots whatsoever he would have been used immediately after the Patriots were eliminated from the playoffs last year. Right. And instead they waited until the final game of, uh, 
or no, not the final game. They waited until the second to last game of the season to give Stidham a start and see what he could do. And then they went back to Newton for the, what game a waste. the Jets. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, 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 it was a complete waste to the point of where, you know, the season's already over. Why don't you just give Stidham the rest of the season, see what you can see, what, what you have with him. And if there's, yeah. you know, if you feel you need to go after another quarterback, if Stidham isn't the answer, then go after another quarterback, which obviously they've done here with Max right. Jones at the number 15. Now, going back to the top 10, we saw with Cincinnati last how, uh, how horrific their offensive line was, where their offensive line is basic, was basically a bunch of human turnstiles. Yeah, they have at the number five pick. They had the they had the option to take Penny Sewell, who was the top Penny offensive uh, offensive tackle uh, of the draft out of Oregon, or go with Jamar Chase, like they ended up doing. And they ended up going with Chase. Okay, you add another you add another weapon, and also, you know, Burrow's former teammate from LSU. But what good is a weapon if you don't have the protection to if you don't have the time to be able to throw the ball to him? And did that did that surprise you a little bit, Lou, that they they valued weapons over protection? That is a especially after I think the protection is more important. Yeah, especially after Joe Burrow ended up tearing his uh Ended up tearing his uh, his ACL, I believe, this past season. Yes, yes. And I'll tell you, if it wasn't for that, I think maybe the uh, Bengals would have been better. Well, yeah, I think they definitely because think about it. Ryan Finley came in and played the rest of the season, as opposed to if they had uh, if they had Burrow for the rest of the year. I mean, granted, yeah, they probably they wouldn't have made the playoffs, but you know, maybe they would have finished with a better record than than what they oh, did. Oh, no question. So, you know, the, the, I would have thought that with the number 5 pick. I mean, yeah, you know, you lose the you have the chance to get Jamar Chase, but at the same time, I mean, you guys got T Higgins last year in the at the beginning yeah. of the second round. You know, it's it's not like it's not like Burrow doesn't have any weapons. The reason I'm I'm kind of thinking the reason why they took Jamar Chase is because they lost AJ Green. Yeah. That's literally the only reason why I can think I can think that they would choose offense over over uh, yeah you know over uh, protection. Now Penny Sewell he ended up going to to Detroit with the number seven pick providing protection for, for Jared Goff, their new, uh, their new starting quarterback. And I, I mean, it honestly with Detroit, it was either they were going to go offensive line or, or take somebody on the defense. Like maybe, uh, maybe JC Horn who ended up going next anyways, or Patrick Sertain. So the Lions pick didn't really surprise me. You know the Miami Dolphins. They took Jalen Waddle, providing yet another weapon for for Tua Tagovailoa. I guarantee you, Tua is going to be a lot better this year 
compared to uh, compared to his rookie season. I think Miami right now has made the right move by not going after Deshaun Watson like everybody like everybody yeah. thought they were rumored to be. Because now that Tua has somebody that he's that he's thrown to before in college. They already have that chemistry. They know where each other is going to be, or he knows where Waddle's going to be out there, out there uh, in the field. So, I think that I think that's a definite win there for uh, for Miami with the uh, with Jalen Waddle at number six. Uh, as a Cowboy fan, Lou, you got to be pretty pissed that Denver ended up taking Pat Sertain one pick ahead of the Cowboys. Yeah, I, that is a little. Uh. But um, because, you know, we did get you know, I think in the um, up a little high, so it it, it didn't. I don't think it's going to be that bad. No, you got you guys did get Micah Parsons who uh, who will yeah. fill in for uh, for Sean Lee, uh, the most recently retired Sean Lee, might I add. That that came as a bit of a surprise to me, uh, but. You know, I really think that Dallas was aiming for Patrick Sertain. And when he got taken with the number nine pick, that had to have pissed off Jerry Jones so much to the point of where, yeah, okay, they they moved they moved back in a trade with Philly uh, to get the number 12 pick. Philly ends up taking Devontae Smith. Might I add, that's a huge, huge yes. acquisition. For, uh, for Jalen Hurts, that basically shows that partnering up Smith once again with Jalen Hurts, the Alabama connection, uh, that pretty much shows that Philadelphia is committed officially to, uh, to right. Jalen Hurts. Uh, but when it comes to Dallas, though, it, it, it really seems like that Pat Sertain was their target. And the fact that they lost out on him, it's almost mm-hmm. as if something malfunctioned in Jerry Jones's brain because for the rest of the well, draft, no, not really, not really unusual, but, uh, you know, it just seemed like they had a plan. And then once that, once that plan, uh, got tinkered with like it, like it did, Everything basically went to hell because yes. okay, Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons was maybe taken three picks ahead of where he should have gone because uh, there were some mock drafts that had him going to the Patriots. But right, right. Uh, the rest of the draft, though, it kind of seemed like the Cowboys were reaching quite a lot on some of their picks. Right. I mean, do you think, Lou, that, you know, maybe perhaps, perhaps if they end up missing out on one guy, if a team misses out on one guy that they, that, that they were really high on early in the draft, that that kind of affects how they draft the rest of the, uh, you know, the rest of the draft? Because yeah, I'm now, you're kinda, cause now you're kind of thinking like, okay, well, this guy may be available in the third, but – I have, you know, a second round pick, so why don't I just take him now instead of uh potentially losing out on him in the third round? Uh 
you know, it kind of seemed that way with Dallas because a lot of their picks were defensive picks. And according to uh, certain mock drafts, they reached by like a lot these uh, with these moves. But over, overall, though, how do you think your uh, uh, the draft ended up going for the Dallas Cowboys? Well, maybe it could have been a little bit, a little bit better. You know, we didn't have much of a great year, but still, I mean, our our pick with Micah. You know, I'm I'm satisfied with that, though. Oh yeah, so, no, my, so uh, I was I was pleased to get that. Yeah, yeah, Micah Parsons. That's that's definitely a very good a very good pick for uh, for a Dallas defense that's uh, that's losing, quite frankly, probably the heart of their defense in Sean Lee. You know, yeah. you get a guy like Micah Parsons, uh, who a lot of people believe he might emerge as the best defensive player in the draft once everything is all said and done. You know, they say he, uh, he's classified as a he's classified as a freak athlete with explosive strength, power, and speed as well. And they're saying if, if, if the Cowboys are the right system for him, he could play at a superstar level early on in his career. So this could Hmm. potentially be a home run pick for Dallas. You you never know what, you never know what rookies though. I mean, they can go one way or they can go another. So, you know, I get I get a little skeptic about you know players in their first year. See what they're gonna do. I mean, on paper, yeah, it looks like it could be a winner. But you know, when they step onto the field, I'm like, oh, what do we do? Well, let's see, uh, three forced fumbles, an interception, uh, sack for uh, 33, 35 yards, whatever. You know, so it's like you know, what seems good on paper though doesn't always turn to be you know in reality. I mean, because you know, yeah. look what happened with uh, you know Sammy Boy from the Jets. You know. Everybody was hyping him up. He didn't do the point of the expression, jack shit. Yeah, exactly. And now he's uh, now he's with Carolina, and Rock you know that the one. fact that you know the fact that Carolina ended up taking J.C. Horn out of South Carolina, the cornerback, instead yes. of taking instead of taking uh, Justin Fields, like a lot of people, a lot of people thought that if Carolina held on to right. the pick that they would invest in a quarterback like Justin Fields. The fact that yeah. they did not do that tells me that they that Sam Darnold is their starter. And especially You know what that was a big surprise though. Too. There was one that um that was even a bigger surprise to me and I was looking and I really thought this player was going to get drafted in the first round but did not. And I think you know who I mean. Christian Barmore? Wrong. Who? Kyle Trask. No, I didn't see him going in the first round, honestly. I saw him as more of a third-round pick. Wow. Boy, was I off. Well, I'm I'm just looking at it like this. You know, he had a good start with Florida, but he his big problem is he lacks a big arm. Even though uh, he has, yeah. even though he has the accuracy, he, even though he has the accuracy, and he lit up SEC defenses early, he yes. really seemed to fade as the season went on. And honestly, mm. you know, I was shocked. I was shocked that he went over. 
he went over quarterbacks like Kellen Mond and Davis Mills, who were taken mm. back to back at the uh, top of the third. Okay. But, Thing is, though, I mean, go ahead. No, I will you finish because um, I just want to follow up on something. Okay, well, I, I was I was just gonna say, you know, I can I can kind of see though why Tampa Bay took him because of the fact that, you know, he's down there in Florida. Obviously, they probably had a a lot uh, a lot of opportunities to to scout him because of the fact that he's so close to them. Yes, playing for playing for the Florida Gators, and obviously Tampa Bay is in Florida, uh, so maybe Let's perhaps check. track. Trask is the guy that they were most, uh, you know, they were most uh, familiar with because of the close proximity. Right. Whenever I hear the name Trask, it always reminds me of one of my favorite television villains. So that was the, that's what always gets me when I hear the name Trask. Oh boy. But uh, what were you what were you going to follow up on? Well, like I was just saying, whenever I hear the name Trask, it reminds me of my favorite television villains. Because it was a villain. Oh of, yeah. Well, it's just. Oh, you might know what I'm talking about, don't you? Uh, no, probably not. I was just. Okay. Uh, oh, probably not. You're kind of young. I forgot. Well, I was. I was just a. Uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, sort of reminding myself. Okay, that uh, what you what you had said before. You know that was what you were going to follow up with. I thought I thought you yes. were going to follow up with something else. Um, no, no. It... Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, looking at the rest of the first round here, it, 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 it seemed it seemed pretty obvious that. Uh, well, actually, no. You know what? Let me go. Let me go back to uh, to number eleven with uh, the yeah. Giants. And out of all the years that Dave Gettleman yeah. has been in charge of the Giants. He has never traded up, or I mean never traded down until this right. year. With uh, Chicago basically uh, basically going, right at, going uh, right at the Giants, taking the 11th pick and investing in, just, in Justin Fields. Now, mm-hmm. here's, where my mind, here's where my mind is blown here. Because yeah. – they already have Nick Foles on the roster with yes that that huge amount of money that they're already giving him. They have yes. they just signed Andy Dalton to uh, a contract worth about I think it was what twelve million dollars or something like that. Something like that, yes. And they told Dalton when they signed him, "Yeah, you're going to be our starter," but yet. They go after Justin Fields, and now they're going to have to give Fields. I don't know what the, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know what the what the pay rate is for the eleventh overall pick in, in terms of contracts. But now they're going to have to invest a whole lot more money into a quarterback like Justin Fields. You already you have multi million dollars invested in three quarterbacks at this point. To me it kind of seems like bad business practice. If you're yeah. you know, if 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 you're uh if you're a team, you're gonna want you're gonna want to give starting money to your starting quarterback. But not have a backup 
with the contract like uh, like Nick Foles has. So either they're going to get rid of no. Foles or something's got to happen because I just I don't see how they keep all three of these guys on the roster. No Obviously, way. they're no not going to get rid of Fields. I don't. I, I don't see. I don't see them get rid of, getting rid of Fields. Obviously, because I just drafted them. I would have to yeah. think that. I would have to think that Foles is going to be on his way out because you know they're not going to get rid of Dalton because that would send a message to everybody, uh, you know, all other players you know, around the sucks. league saying, you know, don't sign, don't sign with Chicago because, you know, right after right after you sign with them, you could be traded away or released. So, yeah. I mean, I understand Chicago was in the market for a quarterback, you know, trying to find their next franchise guy. Right. The only thing I can the only thing I can think of is maybe perhaps because next year's quarterback market is downright awful, uh, from from all indications from what I've heard, yeah. that it's it's not going to be. You know, if you're a team looking for a quarterback, next year is not the draft that you want to uh, that you want to be a part of. I uh, know. So maybe, so maybe that's why they moved up and took Justin Fields this draft, so that you know, in case maybe, I, I believe actually, I believe the Dalton deal is is a one year deal. So okay, maybe Fields will be their starter next year. Okay, that you know that kind of that kind of makes more sense then. But I, yeah. uh, the Chargers they took Rashawn Slater with the thirteenth pick. Pretty obvious. Yes. I thought they were going to go offensive line because they need protection for for Justin Herbert. He already has the weapon. Oh sure. Even though they did, even though they did lose Hunter Henry, uh, he does have yeah. the weapons. So, oh. Speaking of tight ends, let me ask you this. What do you think of the Falcons taking Kyle Pitts with the number four pick? Oh, God. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about that. Atlanta hasn't been, you know, the stronghold as it has been since they since the, the epic loss in the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, we really got really to think about that. It could be a, it could be a good move, but... Mm, you know, I mean, Florida was, you know, he was great with Florida. I don't know, maybe, maybe he'll, he'll, he'll make something happen for for Atlanta. I mean, because they, they need yeah. a lot of help. Yeah, he was he was the number one he was the number one receiver for Florida, not just yeah. not just tight end, but he he had the most mm-hmm. catches uh, out of any Florida Gator on that uh, on that roster, but. I mean, you take a look at their depth chart right now. Obviously, Matt Ryan is the starter at quarterback. They did just sign AJ McCarron to be his backup. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike Davis, Mike, they've gone from Todd Gurley to Mike Davis now as the starting running back. Uh, who, obviously, for people who don't know, Mike Davis took over for Christian McCaffrey when he got injured last year and had quite a right. few good games. So. Uh, he's, def- he's getting paid. He's getting paid starting running back money, which honestly I think is deserved after the performance he put on last year uh, in sure. the absence of McCaffrey. Uh, then you got Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, 
and Russell Gage as your three as your three receivers with it looks like uh Olamide Zacchaeus is the number four receiver on the on the depth chart. Uh yes. then you got Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst as your two tight ends. <laughs> if everybody is clicking and everybody is healthy, I think that is a dangerous lineup for Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, granted, you know, a lot of things have to fall into place, but with the addition of Pitts, that's a dangerous lineup. Yes. Because they compared they compared Kyle Pitts to the likes of, of uh, Rob Gronkowski when they were analyzing uh, uh, the here. It's always tough no, to compare I, players to, you know, I always always tough to compare players because like, you're comparing a rookie to, like, one of the greatest tight ends of all time, even though I'm not a Patriots fan. I mean, Ronikowski, you know, yeah. you know, was one of the best. And, you know, it always, you know, it irks me. Like, well, how are you going to compare someone who hasn't even played a game yet? And, you know, like, that's, you know, it's just being, you know, presumptuous. So I thought, like, you know, yeah. give them, you know, it, it's got to be time. you got to give them, like, at least two or three years before you can come close to comparing notes to some of the greats who've played the game or have played the game. That's true. That That's true. It, it may be a little... A little too uh, whoa! Why did that? Why did that go up? Uh, it's yeah. a little too early to compare him, but yes, when when you take a look at at the strengths that he that he brings, uh, another comparison was Darren Waller of the uh, of the Vegas Raiders that he was compared to. Uh, but he has he was probably uh, out of all receivers the biggest the biggest frame uh in terms of body built and the largest wingspan of this uh of this year's draft class which basically makes him a mismatched nightmare to me that screams Gronkowski yeah now if he de- we'll see if he de- if he can develop into a player like Gronkowski was in his prime years. And if he does, then that's a very dangerous weapon that the, uh, oh, yeah. that the Atlanta Falcons have. Oh, I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah. But, it's, you know, it's too early to compare right now. I mean, you know, like you're saying the old saying, comparing apples to oranges. So, you know, is he the apple or the orange or whatever the case may be. But, I don't think you should, you know, make a rush of judgment saying that, you know, he's being compared to Gronkowski or not. Not not just for not for someone who hasn't even played the game yet. I mean, you can make all the predictions you want, but you know, it's not really being accurate. Yeah. Now after after the fifteenth pick we had uh Arizona taking Zaven Collins out of Tulsa at number sixteen. Mm-hmm. You had Alex Leatherwood, uh Alex Leatherwood from Alabama yep. going at number seventeen. To the uh, Vegas Raiders, uh, yes. eighteen. The Miami Dolphins took uh, Jalen Phillips out of Miami. Uh, right. Well, it says Miami, Florida. Was he? Oh, he must have been a. Uh, he must have been a. Uh, uh, a hurricane. Yeah. Jalen Phillips. Uh, 
then you had Jamin Davis going to the uh, Washington football team at night at 19. Washington was another one of those teams that was looking to move up in order to potentially take a quarterback. Uh, obviously, that didn't end up happening. Uh, Kadarius Tony went number 20 to the New York Giants. Quiddy Pay went 21 to the Indiana, Indianapolis Colts. Then this next pick. Farley from Virginia Tech going to Tennessee. And I understand that Tennessee, you know, they're looking to rebuild their their secondary considering they lost pretty much everybody this year to free agency. Yes, but yes. I think this one is a little bit of a risk here because Caleb Farley has all those back surgeries. Oh, that is a risk. He had all those back surgeries in college, and I mean, granted, Gronkowski did the same thing too. Uh, had the same thing too, you know, during his uh, career at Arizona. So right, and obviously things t- turned out well for for Gronkowski. But you know, the thing with with Farley is, I mean, with a def- with a defensive player, it's a little different. I think, you know. Yes. The biggest thing is going to be the biggest thing is going to be can he even stay healthy? If he can stay healthy, he would definitely be uh, a much needed, uh, you know, a much needed. Oh, if he's healthy, he's fine. To to Tennessee's uh, to Tennessee's secondary. Oh, if you're healthy, there's no problem there. But if you're going to take a chance on someone's like, shall we say, injury prone, that's taking that's taking a big risk, and you know that that can do more harm than good. That's the way I see it. So you really got to be careful with the what I call the injury-prone player. Yeah, because I yeah. believe they said far. I believe they said Farley had two has had two back surgeries so far. Yeah, at least. And Gronkowski sort of had the same thing. Gronkowski had a third back surgery when he was with the Patriots, and they had said no player had ever played after three back surgeries. No. So Farley, you know, obviously Gronkowski was the first to do that. But Farley, granted maybe age is sort of helping him here, but you're kind of tiptoeing mm. that line at this point. Yeah, I mean, in football, you're 110 years old anyway, so. All right, maybe not 110. You get the idea. Yeah, but, you know, with with each injury, it it, it – Yes. It furthers the risk level, basically. Oh, sure. Uh, then you had Christian Derisaw going uh, from Virginia Tech to the Minnesota Vikings at 23. Uh, this next one, Najee Harris, the running back from Alabama, yeah. going to Pittsburgh. This one was yes. probably the worst, ke- the worst kept secret in all of the NFL mock drafts. Because yeah. every single mock draft had Najee Harris going to Pittsburgh and it makes sense because they yes. they lost James Conner uh mm-hmm. they lost James Conner this past off season so they needed a replacement and Najee Harris is by far the top running back of the draft and now does that include um, of, when that includes of you know, the uh mock drafts are you thinking the same person I'm thinking you know, of all the mock drafts, because there's one in particular, of course, that really irks me, and I think you know who that is. 
Honestly, probably not. Mel Kuyper. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's another thing, too. Mel Kuyper, they had that uh, – they had this uh, this source off, if you would, between Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay. Uh, as a matter of fact, Ooh, I believe yeah, it was McShay. McShay. I think it was McShay that had the Patriots taking – just for an example, he had the Patriots taking uh, Mac Jones, I believe, in, uh-huh. his, in, his, last, in his last mock draft. And – you know, they they do these mock drafts based off of what their sources are telling them. So, right. And and I know Mel Kuyper. You know, they had a he was a primary focus uh, in the later the later uh, rounds of the draft because yeah, you know, a lot of his a lot of his picks were starting were starting to come in as correct. Uh, yeah. Interesting. And correct analysis and whatnot, but I mean, here at number twenty-four, Najee Harris, that was a no-brainer. If you're looking mm-hmm. for a replacement, I mean, there was a little bit of discussion, like, okay, you know, if you're a running back, is it Najee Harris? Is it Travis Etienne? Or is it who was the one who went in the second round? Uh, or is it Javante Williams out of North Carolina? You know, a lot of people were a lot of people were trying to debate. You know, who was the top running back in the draft? Honestly, in my opinion, it's Najee Harris. I I don't yeah. see I don't see Etienne performing uh, outperforming him, and neither do neither do I see Williams outperforming him. So Harris here, definitely the uh, the best pick I think that the Steelers could have made in this draft um, at this spot, especially considering the fact that they lost James Conner. You know, they don't have a bona fide number one uh, running back until now. So I think Najee Harris, we could potentially see a return to the Le'Veon Bell days of Pittsburgh, when Bell was okay. a uh, when Bell was a superstar for Pittsburgh, but except it'll be right. Najee Harris. And speaking of Etienne, he ended up going next at number twenty-five to the Jacksonville yes. Jaguars, reuniting him with uh, Trevor Lawrence. So that's basically a uh, a one two punch there in Jacksonville although keep in mind you know Jacksonville it's going to like I said on Thursday night it's going to take a lot more than just a Travis Etienne and a Trevor Lawrence addition to turn that team around it's going to take a lot more than those two and yeah. while I'm on the Jaguars let me get your what are your thoughts on Tim Tebow coming back to football and Why? finally making the transition to tight end. I'll just sum it for you in one word. Why? He failed the first time. Why would he come back? Well, you know, a lot, of, some... a lot, of, a lot of teams said that if he had transitioned to tight end earlier, before he yeah. ended up going to baseball, he would have had a spot on rosters. Mm. It, I mean, it, it's now it, what six, seven years later. Yeah, 
Actually, I believe. I mean, look. I mean, he has a good career as a broadcaster, so you know why would you want to give that up? You know, you know, you you've probably lost a step or two, you know, since you stopped. So I don't know. I don't really think that that's a wise move for T. to come back in the NFL uh, now. Yeah, it, I thought it was kind of odd myself when I saw. Like, I I thought it had yeah. to have been a joke, like uh, like somebody somebody in my group had made it up or something because he hasn't played football since 2012. So nearly a decade. Right. Right. I mean, well, actually I should say more like 2013 because he was on the Patriots. Okay. For, uh, for 2013. Then he ended up getting cut uh, right after training camp. Then he signed a contract yes. with the Eagles in 2015. He lost the uh, bat, he lost the third string job to Matt Barkley uh, that year, yeah. and then he was released after the preseason. And now he's making a, uh, an attempted return after his uh, his baseball career failed. So, you know, uh, I still think. And I and I, I said I said this Thursday night too, uh, when he was with the Patriots, if he had transitioned to tight end, he would have made that roster. Because the Patriots at the time were in need of a tight end, and I honestly think now that when it comes to Tim Tebow, you know he's kind of I think he's kind of sick and tired of doing the analyst job. To the point of where almost as if he has to go, right. you know, okay. he he has to go back into a sport, whether it's uh, unretiring from baseball or or going back to football like he's attempting. It's almost as if he cannot stay off the field. He has to try and get back into things. And I think also the fact that his former coach, Urban Meyer, is now the head coach of the Jaguars. I think that's kind of helping things out a bit. So uh, I would not be shocked at all. I know he worked out for the Jaguars recently as a tight end. I would not be shocked at all if he ends up making the team. Really? You know, this will shock me. Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked at all because the Jaguars they're trying to do they're trying to do anything to get yes. themselves back into contention and obviously with Urban Meyer having right. coached Tim Tebow during college you know Meyer knows Tebow probably more than anybody else in the league right now so I'll give you if that if he feels that if he feels that he could do something at tight end you know maybe perhaps we're going to see it happen I I don't know. I, I still, I'm still kind of shocked though, at the uh, at the fact that he's even attempting to come back. But uh, the rest of the uh, the rest of the first round, the Browns they took Greg Newsom out of Northwestern mm-hmm. uh, to put a to put across from. Uh, to put across from their current cornerback, uh, Denzel Ward. So basically that's the one-two combination they're going to go with there. Uh, Rashad Bateman, he ended up going to the 
Baltimore Ravens, which kind of surprised me a little bit because doesn't Baltimore have enough weapons to begin with? And granted, uh, Hollywood Brown had an off year last year, but uh, Jim brought up this question uh, Thursday night, and I want to I want to I want to put this uh, put this out to you, Lou. Isn't it time to start questioning whether or not Lamar Jackson really is the guy to uh, to you know put everything on? I should have answered that already. Baltimore. You should have answered that already. Because honestly, now from what we've seen so far, it's been two. I believe it's two one and outs playoffs. Yes. Yes. So, you know, there's with all of his talent that he has, he he has shown nothing so far for the Ravens. Yeah. So, what happened? You know, you you basically have to you basically have to wonder if maybe they need to start investing in somebody else. I'm afraid you're right. I mean, it's you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of questionable, and I think that's something that the Ravens may want to keep an eye on as they uh, as they head further uh, further into uh, into his career. Uh, you know, one thing that kind of shocked me though was that they did not take a center, especially after losing Matt Scura. To free agency this year, uh, I forget who he ended up going to, but uh, they lost Matt Scora to free agency. And you know there was that center uh, Dickerson from Alabama who ended up going to the Eagles in the second round. I thought Dickerson was probably going to be a first round talent, and hell, I thought yeah. Christian Barmore was going to be a first round talent. Really. But, yeah, because Christian Barmore, he's he, he's probably the top defensive tackle in the draft. Yes. If not the top defensive tackle, then maybe the second-ranked defensive tackle. But, you know, he, he is going to be an impact player, I believe. Um, so that's why you saw the Patriots, you know, do what they ended up, uh, what they normally don't do, which is trade up. Uh, usually you see the Patriots trade back. So the fact that they traded up and they took Christian Barmore, they're saying that Barmore could end up starting games at defensive tackle at some point this season for the Patriots, despite all of their, uh, all of their additions that they made. Uh, You also saw Javante Williams go to Denver. So, uh, not only does uh, Melvin Gordon's fantasy value go down in Denver, but you have the replacement for Philip Lindsay now uh, with Lindsay signing elsewhere. The uh, Jets, they ended up signing Elijah, or they ended up drafting Elijah Moore of uh, Ole yes. Miss, probably the best slot receiver in the draft. I got to tell you, you know, when you're talking about winners and losers of the draft this year, the Jets were mm-hmm. a big winner, especially when yes. you take now a look at it. 
yeah, that's the that's the big question. You know, uh, can the Jets actually use this momentum and you know transform the team the way that they the way that they need to transform it? You know, back into a contender. Um, obviously, we'll see if that ends up taking place, but. You know, adding Elijah Moore, uh, it's, it's, it's odd because I kind of thought that, I mean, they're bad overall, but I guess, what, what, what's your what's your thoughts, Lou? What, what do you, do you think that they needed to focus on offense or on defense more in this draft? Because, I mean, they're bad overall, but yeah. what area do you think is uh, – was perhaps their biggest weakness. I think maybe I have to go with offense. Okay, well, you know, in that in that case, then they probably made the right move going uh, going offense with their with their first three picks. Uh, obviously, you know, the defense needs to be addressed at some point here, but uh, I mean, for. They're definitely one of the uh, one of the best draft uh, one of the best uh, draft boards this year, I believe, with who they ended up uh, who they ended up taking. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr. He's one of the notable names that was taken in the second round. He ends up going to the Los Angeles Chargers uh, with the forty seventh pick of the draft. Uh, some other some other notable names here. Um, Pat Fryermuth. He ended up going from Penn State, uh, the 55th sure. pick of the draft, to the Pittsburgh, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, Kyle Trask. He ends up going to uh, going to Tampa yeah. Bay with the last pick of the second round. I still kind of think it was a little bit of a reach, but you know, I guess yes. It, I guess I guess it doesn't really matter because the next couple of picks after that, uh, a couple of quarterbacks went uh, went back to back anyways. So yeah. Uh, I know one thing that probably uh, that probably happened though was uh, we all know about the Aaron. That's another thing. Uh, before we continue on with the I'm draft, what are your thoughts? What, you're not buying the Aaron Rodgers situation? No. Uh, this is all, I, I think it's all just a big act. I mean, I found it kind of odd. I mean, I understand he would probably be pissed after they drafted Jordan Love last year, uh, yeah. but I did find it kind of odd that with him winning the NFL MVP this year, you know, it, it we never got a sense that there was really any sort of, you know, there was any sort of uh, problems within the organization with him. And now this comes out literally, I believe, the day of the draft, actually, the day of the first round, uh, a couple of hours before. I think it was like maybe 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, something like that. Uh, yeah. All of a sudden, this news ends up hitting the uh, the newswire from Adam Schefter, and apparently he is quote unquote threatening to sit out the rest of his deal unless they trade him. And uh, 
One of the rumors that floated around was that San Francisco had offered the number three pick as well as more draft picks as well involved in the deal. And Green Bay said, no, we're good. And Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers demanded that they take the uh the San Francisco trade uh trade offer and mm-hmm. they refused to. But you don't you don't buy any of that uh no, any of that talk? No. And actually there was there was a rumor uh Mark Schlereff who uh obviously used to play used to play in the NFL and uh He's actually, I believe he was a former Bronco, wasn't he? I believe so, yes. He was either a former Bronco or a former Ram. Uh, But anyways, he ended up calling in to one of the radio stations out in Denver. And basically he said that a, a trade for Aaron Rodgers was as close to getting done as you can get. So everybody was was believing, you know, that there was going to be a trade for Aaron Rodgers and that Denver ended up not taking a quarterback when they were when they came up in the first round, you know, that sort of led a little bit of credence that okay, maybe there's some truth to this. And lo and behold, it ends up being false, you know, or or if it if it isn't false, you know, they're going to, they're going to take their time with it. But uh, there was a new report that came out today that actually came out a couple of hours ago uh, that says that Aaron Rodgers will only return to the, to the Green Bay Packers if their current general manager is fired. Uh-huh. So obviously it's a personal matter. That's what it sounds like. Uh, their general manager, yeah. Brian uh, Gutkunst, as as uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Brian Nobody Gutkunst uh, is uh, at odds with Aaron Rodgers. Apparently, uh, this is according to Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports. Um, He's quoted as saying, asked if anything could be done to repair the relationship between Rodgers and the team. The source said a reconciliation may not be possible if Gutkunst remains and that team president Mark Murphy is aware of the quarterback's feelings about the general manager. Um, And it says that the fracture points between Rodgers and Gutkunst stem largely from the latter's decision to trade up in the 2020 NFL draft to select Jordan Love without informing uh, Aaron Rodgers of doing so. And a source told Robinson that Rodgers felt Gutkunst's plan was to move on from him after the 2020 season in order to make Love the Rodgers uh, or in order to make Love the Packers quarterback. And obviously, if that was the idea, Rodgers upended that by putting together P-season like he did this year. Yes. Uh, However, you know, the Packers throughout this whole thing have said that uh, Rodgers is still their quarterback. You know, he's going nowhere. Um, 
And actually, I believe Gukunz, this is the same guy that drove Brett Favre out of Green Bay, I believe, as well. Oh, yeah. That's why I remember about him. Or no, no, no. Actually, no. He was, he's been oh. with the team since uh, 1997, where he started as a right. scouting intern. Wow. Uh, but he was named general manager in January of 2018. Uh, however, he was a part of the front office uh, during the Brett Favre years. Uh, Favre. He's entering. Yeah, you know, we saw this whole this whole thing happen with Brett Favre as well, to the part to the point with uh, the fact that when he was traded to the Jets, they made sure that they put a clause in the deal that if the Jets then flipped him to Minnesota, they would have to give up an additional three first-round picks as part of the deal that sent Favre from Green Bay over to uh, over to, to the Jets. Yeah. So it does not shock me at all that something like this is coming up once again with a with a top with a top quarterback star. Uh, in the uh, in the league, and it just happens to be with the Green Bay Packers once again. Right. Uh, Robinson Robinson noted here that Rodgers is willing to consider taking a hard line stance with the Packers in order to get what he wants, including holding out during training camp and possibly retirement as well. I see. And this also comes on the heels of the fact that he's one of the front-running contenders to be the new host of Jeopardy, apparently. See, how's it going to tie in, you know, with that? Because I don't think it's going to be a tough schedule. I mean, he's got to do practice and everything, and, you know, those maybe are fitting on taping days. So how's it going to work out with him doing Jeopardy and staying of the team at the same time? Well, usually when they do tapings, they do multiple shows every day. Yeah, I know uh, that. Per but, day. Uh, yes, but mostly it's on weekends, and uh, he plays with the Packers on uh, Sunday, so uh, that could be a bit of a problem. Mm. Yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. That could actually be a that could actually be a huge problem in that case. If he's, uh... hang on, where do they tape Jeopardy? Los Angeles. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a huge scheduling I'll problem. Take my career. I, I, I'll take my careers in deep shit, Alex, for 200 Oh. You know, I think if if they come back and tell him that he has the job, I'm kind of thinking he may just retire. That's what I'm thinking, too, because I don't think they're going to move the show to Wisconsin. Well, no, obviously not. But no. uh, you know, I think I think if they tell him he has the job, and if he's still in piss poor uh, relationship with the uh, with the Packers and yeah. their general manager, I think he may just call it a career at that point. Yeah, I told you because... who else is. Uh, I told you who else is also going to be uh, doing uh, the last week of the show for the year, right? Uh, I don't think you did. Oh, you might want to sit down for this one. Oh, Joe Buck. Joe Buck will have the last week of the season. Oh God, yeah. You know what? I forgot about that. I had yeah. heard about it, but 
Oh God, that means <laughs> as if he as but if he doesn't exactly. have any as as if he doesn't have enough hosting duties to begin with. Duh. Now he's gonna now he's gonna take on Jeopardy. Yeah. Hell, well, you he know I like Aaron Rodgers. I thought Aaron Rodgers' uh, time on Jeopardy was bad enough. Buck may actually be worse. No, actually, Doctor Oz was worse was worse than Rodgers, but Joe True. Buck takes the cake. Oh, Jack is rolling you know, I'm brave just, right now. I may just watch it only to only to see the train wreck as it happens. If I'm being <laughs> honest here, I'm, Jack, I may just watch it done? only to see the train wreck. Ugh. Man, there goes our ratings, folks. Yeah, no, I, 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 I just if obviously he's going to have to give up some sort of uh, some sort of hosting gig, right? If he gets the Jeopardy gig, I would think. Oh, God help us all. He's he's not going to go through with staying on, uh, you know, staying on NFL on Fox or staying on MLB on Fox. Well, then, don't forget, Michael Strain is a lot, too. True, but those are, you know, spaced out. Those are spaced out. Uh, you know, Strahan, he does the, uh, he does, uh, what is it, Good Morning America, or is yes. it live with Michael, live with Michael and, uh, and Good Kelly Morning or America. something he like gave that. Up, he gave up the, he gave up that job uh, to go do Good Morning America, and you got Ryan Seacrest. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, okay. Well, then in that, you know, in that case, Good Morning America normally is only what Monday through Friday, I believe, right? Yes, but it's awful early. True. And then he does the uh, he does the NFL on Fox on yes. Friday or on on Sundays and sometimes on Saturdays during the during but the playoffs. But remember, because that's also that's also in Los Angeles, so he's got a hell of a commuting problem. True. How do you that's sleep on Sunday night? Yeah, yeah, that's that, that that's true. And then another, you know, another thing too is, um, you know, when it, this is one thing I was thinking of when you mentioned Joe Buck, Jeopardy isn't on Fox, if I recall correctly. They're on it. It's not. A, it's not a network show. It's scattered all over the place. Sometimes it's on a CBS station. Sometimes it's on NBC, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's not to the world, It's just one network. Oh, okay. So it's not. It's syndicated, basically. Okay. You want to call it that? Go ahead. I call it. I call it scattered. But you want to use it okay. Well, go then. Because I was going to say, wouldn't that create a conflict of interest because of the fact that Joe Buck Hell is yeah. technically under contract with Fox? Well, no, no. But being if it's, it's a, syndicated, it's not. Being a syndicated is not is not the same thing. Yeah. So if, in in that case, you know, then it you know if if Joe Buck is offered the job, it would technically work out then, because, you know, he's still affiliated with Fox, and sometimes it could it could potentially be shown on Fox with it being syndicated. So, I mean, I think it does in some Fox stations, but it's not Fox Network, which. I honestly don't understand how Michael Strahan could work for ABC and Fox because I thought that could be a problem because, you know, back in the old days, uh, I don't think you're supposed to work with uh, two different sources. But I guess the rules have changed. Well, yeah, they've become more – they've become more accepting 
if I can yeah. put it that way. Like, like say for people example, think I'm crazy, but my schedule. Uh, like for example, for example, Billy Jaffe of uh, the NHL. He works with, I think it's NHL Network, and he also does yes. some Bruins content with Nesson. So, ah. you know, it's become a little more accepting, I guess, to be with more than one with to be with more than one network. Like for example, you also have uh you also have um I forget what's his name, the guy that just signed with WWE. He was a uh he was a member of MLB Network. And I, I actually right. I don't know if he still does that, if he still does MLB Network or not or if he's officially exclusive to WWE now, but uh you know, basically, it's it, it's it's sort of like they've become more they've become more accepting of people being able to do to be to be affiliated with two uh, networks at once. Oh, it's a lot, it's a lot cheaper than trying to clone yourself. You know. Yeah. Uh, you, you get you get the idea. Yeah. Now, uh, back to the draft here. Uh, in the third yeah. round, Kellen Mond, he ends up going to Minnesota. I find that kind of interesting because didn't they just invest in Kirk Cousins? Yes. Kind of makes me yeah, wonder now if they're, thinking, if they're thinking on moving on from, from Cousins at some point in the, in the, uh, in the future here, maybe after, after a year or two. I wouldn't be surprised. Because Kellen Mond is seen as as one of those uh, one of those players that with with a little seasoning could end up uh, with his upside and potential could end up being a starter uh, you know a reliable yes. starter at quarterback in the league. And actually, I thought that you know if the Patriots weren't gonna weren't gonna go after a quarterback in round one, I thought maybe with round two, you know they'd go after somebody like a Kellen Mond or a Davis Mills who ended up going to Houston, and that's a whole entire different uh, a whole entire different story with yeah. Houston. Uh, you know, it was it was a little surprising though to see Minnesota take Kellen Mond with the uh, with the second pick in the third round. But Davis Mills going to Houston. Now you have Tyrod Taylor as your as your probable starter this year with Deshaun Watson on the ropes. You got Tyrod Taylor as your probable starter with Davis Mills probable backup. Or no, not Davis Mills. Uh, Ryan Finley being the backup, and Davis Mills now being the uh, the long term project. To me, yeah. this screams. This screams that Houston is on the verge of getting rid of Watson. Whether it's him being put on the commissioner's exempt list until his legal issues get sorted, or they end up trading him. I would say they're going to trade because him, otherwise, yeah. because otherwise, why do you take a quarterback in the third round if? You're not planning uh, on, yeah. Uh, if you're not planning on investing in a quarterback, it'd be a waste. Uh, another notable, uh, an, uh, a couple actually of notable names that came off the board as well. Hunter Long, the tight end out of Boston College, he ends up going mm-hmm. to the Miami Dolphins. 
probably one of the uh, probably one of the better players on Boston College this year. Uh, a big body pass catcher. Um, draw some comparisons to former Pro Bowler Kyle Rudolph back when Rudolph was uh, was at his peak. Um, yes. Says here he uh, Long is an improving blocker, but will make his mark as a crafty pass pass catcher, uh, running down seams or settling in soft spots between the hashes, according to uh, NFL uh, to NFL dot com. Uh, we also saw Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame go 83rd overall to the Carolina Panthers. Um, basically, it sounds like he may end up becoming the designated blocker in multi in multi tight end sets uh, out there in Carolina, from what it sounds like. Yes. Uh, we did see Aaron Rodgers, assuming he stays in Green Bay and maybe he plays, we did see him get a weapon in the third round with Amari Rodgers from Clemson uh, being taken with the 85th pick overall. No relation, right? And, you know, yeah, no no relation, no. Okay. Uh, you know, it's it, this was one of the things that, that I believed may have pissed him off, too, uh, even further is the fact that instead of going offense and trying to get him more weapons or protection, they ended up going defense with their first couple of picks. Mm. Well, no, they actually took a center in the second round too, but uh, you know, they ended up going defense to, just to start off the, uh, you know, just to start off uh, the draft. And after hearing of that news, about Aaron Rodgers to begin with, it wasn't looking good. I thought that oh, they're definitely pissing them. They're they're basically sticking it to him now at this point. Oh yeah. But adding Amari Rodgers, you know that that is going to help out the offense uh, for Green Bay. So that's a pretty good pick at the 85th pick. Uh, we saw Trey Sermon go from Ohio State uh, to the San Francisco 49ers with the 88th pick. This is probably some uh, some reinforcement uh, out there for uh, for San Francisco uh, for what's his name Raheem uh, Raheem Mostert if Mostert yeah. ends up uh, having more injury troubles uh, Sermon now slots behind Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, with Wilson Jr. still being the backup running back, but Trey Sermon slots in as the third back in that depth chart right now. So yeah. it, it that looks like a uh, like a like a big weapon uh, potentially down the line for the Niners. Uh, we did also see Ben Cleveland go to the Ravens with the 94th pick. So. Uh, the Ravens adding a little bit more protection. Cleveland uh, played obviously for the Georgia Bulldogs this year. Yes. Um, let's see. Oh, wait a minute. Where where is the Patriots pick? Where is the Patriots pick here? Uh, Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma yes. ended up going to the Patriots at ninety six, and. This one was met with a lot of. Uh, this was probably uh, yeah one of one of the big steals 
potentially of the draft for the Patriots. Uh, he's described as an energetic edge defender with heavy hands. Perkins is a power rusher with disruptive potential. He wears down blockers with relentless effort and violent hands. Perkins is a bit raw and unrefined as a technician, but his energy gives him a chance to shine as a situational playmaker early in his career. Right. And it's weird because New England is pretty stacked I thought at the at the edge rushing spot. So it kind of makes me wonder let's see where is he slotted currently? Uh Barmore actually Barmore is the backup uh uh the backup uh right defensive end right now. Uh let me see where does where does Perkins slot in? Perkins right now is the third sub linebacker right now behind Kyle Van Noy and Chase Winovich. So this is, you know, this was kind of surprising to me because it, it, it kind of made me wonder, is Belichick really that pissed off at Winovich uh, because of, because of how me. Winovich handled, uh, handled some media uh, obligations last year? It kind of makes me wonder if maybe perhaps Belichick is sending a message to Winovich saying, you know, either straighten up or, or you know, there's a replacement for you. What I was kind of stunned, though, was that the Patriots did not take a kicker. Even though Nick Folk was, re- was reliable last year, He's still getting old. He's 36, going to be 37 this year. And I was kind of surprised, too, that they didn't take a cornerback at some point as well because uh, Stephon Gilmore, he's on the final year of his deal, uh, about seven mil. And considering the type of player he is, there's no way in hell that Gilmore is is playing for $7 million this season. No, 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 no. He's going to get traded at some point. So it's, you know, it, it is kind of, it, that's why they signed Jalen Mills, if anything. Uh, right. Well, that and also Mills can play. Mills can play not just corner, but also safety as well. Uh, but, you know, I've been, I've been thinking, okay, when's this Gilmore trade going to come? When's this Gilmore trade going to come? And it still hasn't. So, Either Gilmore really is gonna play, really is gonna uh, play for for only seven mil, or maybe perhaps they're working on an extension with him. But I don't know. I was I was just kind of surprised that you know New England they pretty much decided to decided to go with other defensive areas, essentially. Uh, but yeah, you know, overall, I think as far as the draft went, I would say probably the winners, depending on how, just looking on paper right now, I'd say for winners, you'd probably have to look at New England. You'd probably have to look at the Jets. Uh, you would probably, I would say more than, more than likely you would have to say the Giants because of what they were able to do, uh, as far as trades go. 
as far as trades go, and they were able to still get value with some of their picks that they made. Um, as far as a loser, I would kind of have to say the Saints because the Saints. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the hell they were thinking with some of their picks. So they were you know, thinking. it's there were there were other options available, and. I, although they did take one of their picks, they did take uh, a guy that would have been, that, that been a replace or that's going to be a replacement for Quan Alexander. You know, a lot of people thought that there would be a reunion now that Alexander still hasn't yeah. signed with uh, with San Francisco. Uh, a lot of people thought there would be a reunion with Quan Alexander and the Saints, and obviously, with what the Saints did in the that draft this year, that's not going to happen. But that was rumored to happen. It was rumored to happen, but it seems unlikely now with the way that the Saints drafted this year. Um, yes. You know, I'm I'm gonna give a loss to, or I'm gonna give a loser spot to the Cowboys, not because of their first round pick, but because of the fact that they reached for pretty much uh, all of their okay. other. I get it. I just kind of feel like, you know, some of their picks that they made could have been available later on. Right. And there were other options out there that they could have that they could have taken, but I still think the Micah Parsons pick was probably their best pick that they made uh this year. Uh, let's see. I'd say probably another winner would be the Miami Dolphins because of how they yeah. uh, how they beefed up their roster, not just uh, providing more uh, providing more offense and protection for Tua, but overall it, it really seemed like Miami had a pretty good uh, a pretty good draft this year. Another loser, I'd take the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, they wow, did have a little obvious. bit of good value. They did have a little bit of good value with some of their with some of their trade with their trade down that they did with New England, but okay, I, I'd say probably the biggest one though taking Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell. I, I just I I still don't understand it. Yeah, I still don't, and I probably and right. I probably won't for for quite some time. Um. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I this draft is real is really hard to is re, well. I, I, here's another one: Jaguars are 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 uh, are winners. The fact that uh, they were able to take not just Trevor Lawrence, which is obvious, but the fact that they were also able to uh, to land his running back teammate in Travis Etienne as well. I hell, I thought I thought uh with Etienne being one of the top running backs in the draft, I thought he would be taken before twenty five. So the fact that he that that uh he was able to fall to twenty five that's a big win yeah. for uh for for Jacksonville if anything. And it may also be a little bit of a slap in the face though to uh one of their mm-hmm. running backs considering considering when you take a look at 
how their depth chart is uh, is right now. They literally just uh, they they signed Carlos Hyde in the off season, and they had James yeah. Robinson as their starter last year. It almost seems like it's a little bit of a slap in the face to Robinson by signing yes. Hyde and then drafting Etienne because now Etienne is literally their number one starter on uh according to ESPN here on their depth chart. So it's I mean this this draft was absolute was absolutely wild just based off of uh everything yeah. everything that ended up uh that ended up taking place this year. All right, what, what what did you think, Lou? Who do you think had the best and uh and worst drafts uh this year? But always, you know, I just kind of figured to me who I think was best and worst. You know, it's kind of kind of hard to compare. But I think the uh, Jets made it work. I think they, I think they made the uh, the best. And of course, well, the Bengals being who they are, yeah, they got the worst. I mean, I don't see nothing coming out of them. You should call them the Bungles. Uh, you, you know what? Actually, another team that didn't too bad that didn't do too bad for itself was the Washington Football Team. They got Benjamin St. Juice in the third round. Uh, they got Sam Cosme out of uh, out of Texas. Yes, in the second uh, first round, they well, gra- granted, they did try to get a they did try to trade for a uh, trade up to get a quarterback that didn't work out. Uh, they did get Jamin Davis from Kentucky in the first round. You know, not that bad of a not that bad of a draft for uh for Washington. Uh and you know Vegas Vegas actually at one point I believe they had back to back picks. They they ended up taking uh Alex yeah. Leatherwood in the first. And I wanna double check, was it the second round? I think it was the second round that they had back to back uh no, maybe it was the third then. Because uh, Vegas, they ended up taking uh, Mo Rig from TCU in the second round, and obviously the next pick was Kelvin Joseph to the uh, Dallas, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Let me check. Maybe it was the third round, or I, I might just be forgetting here because uh, no, it was the third round. Okay. Yeah, they took Malcolm Kuntz from Buffalo, and they ended up taking Divine Diablo from uh, Virginia Tech. Mm. So not that bad. Honestly, not that bad. uh, No, obviously not. And Carolina, actually, too. I may consider them a winner here because they took Brady Christensen from BYU. They ended up also taking uh, Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. They had, they had of course, uh, what's the name? J.C. Horn from South Carolina in the first round. Yes. So there, there were actually quite a few big hits here in the uh, in the early rounds of the draft. And let me check. Did they have a second? Yeah, they ended up taking Terrace Marshall, uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU. Yes the wide receiver out of LSU uh, with the uh, 59th pick of the draft. So, uh, oh, all in all, not that bad. Not that bad at all. No. Uh, now, apart from the draft, 
Uh, we also had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They brought back Antonio Brown on a one-year deal worth about 3.1 mil, Dumb. but he can make up to Dumb. six and a quarter this year. Mm. You're saying it's dumb? Yeah, bringing back Antonio Clown. Ugh. Why? Why? Why do you think that? Because last year he had uh, he had 45 catches for 483 yards and four touchdowns. Plus he also yeah, had a couple a touchdowns, I think, in the playoff too. Yeah, but he just can't stay out of trouble. True. I mean, he did just settle. Uh, he did just settle with his former friend. I guess we can call her a former friend now because they had been friends yeah, yeah. since college before those uh, before those accusations came out. Uh, you know, Tampa. They're actually, I believe, uh, I believe they mentioned at some point this week they are the first. Uh, the first Super Bowl champion to bring back all of the core pieces of their roster from the previous year. Heard. So they really must be buying into the to the Tom Brady, uh, uh, you know, the the TB12 method in order to bring everybody back in. Mm. And. Uh, this new report that actually came out about five hours ago, uh, according to Adam Schefter, people in league circles believe that Deshaun Watson will not play in 2021. Mm. Uh, not just that, but there are people who believe his career in Houston as well is over. Um, he's, he is still facing lawsuits, uh, civil lawsuits from 22 different women filed over the past few months the most recent of which was filed in april 22 different women uh commissioner roger goodell did tell espn on thursday that the league is monitoring the situation um obviously you know he had requested a trade in january before all this came out uh, the quarterback was uh, was unhappy to be left out of the hiring process for general manager Nick Casario. Yes. Um, and the Texans, meanwhile, you know, have said that they're committed to Watson, but now it looks like his time is at its end, especially considering the fact that they drafted Davis Mills uh, with their third-round pick this year and also signing veteran Tyrod Taylor to a one-year deal as well. Yes. Um, also, I believe this was a stat too. Let me see if I can get this, uh, this up here, going back to the draft, uh, for a second here, Alabama, I believe became, wait, let me just make sure that this is correct. Uh, I believe they said that Alabama became the first team to have five offensive players taken in the first yeah. round of a, that's the true. first, the first, uh, the first uh, university to have five offensive players get taken in the first round of a draft. And yep, actually, I just found that. Uh, I just found that that post because uh, you had Jalen Waddle, you had Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, Alex Leatherwood, and Najee Harris all go in the first round. 
and a whole bunch more, obviously. Um, let's see. One of the uh, one of the previous stories that obviously this had an impact on what the Broncos did in the draft. Uh, they acquired Teddy Bridgewater from the Panthers in exchange for only a sixth round pick. It's it's odd, don't you think? After seeing how Bridgewater played, after seeing how Bridgewater played with New Orleans, and. He had a bad year that, well, I shouldn't say bad year, but he had a mediocre year this year with Carolina. Yes. And and now he was able to be acquired for as low as a sixth-round pick. And not just that, but Carolina also agreed to take on a portion of Bridgewater's remaining contract. So if anything, that's a win for a, for the Broncos right there. Uh, we had mentioned that Sean Lee had announced his retirement, but also announcing his retirement was Cardinals offensive tackle Marcus Gilbert, uh, formerly the second-round pick of Pittsburgh in the 2011 NFL Draft. Uh, Gilbert never played a single down with the Cardinals the past two years due to injuries. Uh, he walks away with 4,628 career snaps across seven seasons with the Steelers, uh, becoming a, as they quote, as they call it, an uber effective right tackle. Uh, and I believe the Cardinals addressed his absence in the draft, I think. Um, now, this story is is drawing a little bit of news here. Uh, Peter King of NBC Sports is saying he wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons traded Julio Jones in the offseason. And meanwhile, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport is also saying that the Falcons are at least toying with the idea of trading Julio after receiving calls from multiple teams about a trade for the 32-year-old superstar wideout. Uh, King mentions that the Falcons don't really want to trade Julio, but his recent injury troubles and the team's salary cap crunch could necessitate uh, necessitate such a move. As he has a twenty-three, as he has a twenty-three million dollar cap hit this year and a twenty million dollar cap hit the two years after that. Now, one of the potential landing spots for Julio has been mentioned as the Vegas Raiders, as John Gruden is one of those coaches who can't resist veteran stars in the twilight of their careers. However, teams uh, who are receiver needy, like the Patriots, the Titans, and Ravens, could also inquire about a trade for Julio as well. And... An NFL general manager told Peter King that sentimentality has nothing to do with or building the roster has nothing to do with sentimentality, uh, you know, for for uh, current players, existing players that have been with Atlanta for a majority of their careers. And it all has to do with the current reality of the tight salary cap. Yes. So this is something I think that should be really paid close attention to here as, you know, if if Julio ends up leaving, that's about 20% of the targets 
that will be open up for for new distribution to to uh, to other receivers. That ends up being the case here. Uh, so, not only do well, we just got done with the NFL draft, but uh, we do also have uh, the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs just around the corner. Yeah. And I think we should start with the NBA because probably one of the one of the biggest things that happened last night was uh, the emergence of Jason Tatum with a 60-point oh, yeah. game, tying Larry Bird for the single for, for the Celtics franchise record for the most points in a single game with 60 as the Celtics beat the Spurs in overtime, 143 to 140. This is Tatum's second game in, I believe they said three weeks that he's had at least 50 points or more. Yeah. Could, could we finally, Lou, be seeing the emergence of the superstar, Jason Tatum? Hmm. Yeah, I think I have to say that. I mean, he has developed into quite a, into quite a star for the league. So I, I wouldn't that would be too, that would be too far fetched. I wish it was another team, but you know, I always see credit where the credits do, even though it's a team I don't really you know particularly like, and of course you really know that. But um, you know, he has shown that he is you know up there one of the best and it's only getting better. So yeah, we do have to give him credit for that. Yeah, you know, I did find it kind of hilarious that earlier this season there were Celtics fans that were want that were wanting to trade Tatum over Brown. Right. And then Tatum comes out and he has these uh these two gigantic games uh that Kind of makes that makes you second guess uh, what you know what uh, what you might have said or what it makes people second guess what they might have said about wanting to trade them. But uh, you know his emergence is coming at a good time for the Celtics, obviously, with you know the playoffs coming around the corner. If he can continue to perform at this level or close to this level. Right now, they're on they're on pace to to uh, to play the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round. Yes, and good news. The good news is they will uh, at this point they will not have to go into the play-in tournament. Which, by the way, I have an update when it comes to the play-in tournaments. Uh-huh. So the way the way it appears here uh, in the seventh and uh, obviously you'll have the seventh and eighth seed uh, face off, and you'll have the ninth and tenth seed face off. Yes. If the the winner of the seventh and eighth seed will immediately go on to face the number two seed. However, if you're the loser of that game, you're not officially out yet, as you will then go on. So say Charlotte loses to Miami. They will then have to face the winner of Indiana and Washington in order to determine who becomes the number eight seed. So technically it's two play-in right. games. 
if you're the ninth, if you're the ninth and tenth seed, then yeah, you're you're definitely going to have to play two games in order in order to get into uh, the first round. But if you're the seventh seed, if you're the seventh or eighth seed, you'll have to play one in order to get in. Obviously, if you're the loser of that game, you'll have to play two. But uh, that's what it looks like right now, uh, according to the NBA playoff picture. Uh, graphic that they have on NBA.com. The current seeds are as follows. The Eastern Conference, you got Brooklyn in the number one seed at 43 and 21. Uh, Right behind them, just a game behind, is uh, Philadelphia at 42 and 21. In the number three seed, you have the Milwaukee, uh, I almost said Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, You got the Milwaukee Bucks at 39 and 24. Uh, you have in the fourth seed the New York Knicks at 35 and 28. Yes. Uh, right now they are. It almost seems like the Knicks are a lock to play the Atlanta Hawks, regardless of whether they're the fourth or the fifth seed. Now it basically mm. just all depends on. It all depends on okay who's gonna who's gonna get uh, the majority of the home games in that series, but. It almost uh, seems like right now it's a, it's a lock that it's going to be New York versus Atlanta in round one. Yeah. Oh boy, I have colleagues in Atlanta. They'll, they'll love this. Uh, and like I said, Atlanta in the number five seed. Oh, actually, no. It could potentially be New York and Boston, depending on what happens. Uh, because Boston sits only one game behind Atlanta. Right. Uh, at 34 and 30. So I guess it all depends on what happens. Uh, Miami is at 34 and 30 in the number seven seed, but because of, uh, because of the uh, win loss, uh, the season, uh, the season recap, basically the season matchups, Boston has the advantage over Miami in that category. So Boston is in the number six seed instead of Miami. Uh, the number eight seed is Charlotte. The number nine seed is Indiana, uh, Indiana, and the number ten seed is Washington. As of right now, in the Eastern Conference, uh, the Western okay. Conference, you got the Phoenix Suns taking over the number one seed from the Utah Jazz. Uh, both Phoenix and Utah have the same records, but obviously because of uh, head-to-head matchups, Phoenix has the advantage there. Uh, the Clippers with the number three seed at 43 and 21. You got Denver in the number four seed at 42 and 21. L.A. Lakers at 36 and 27 in the number five seed. Yeah. And Dallas, Dallas right behind them at 35 and 27. Well, with uh, and you know, is out, I don't know what that's going to do. Yeah, you know, it's right now they're currently trailing uh, the Wizards barely by about two points uh, off of a double-double by Luka Doncic right now. So, yeah, yeah, you know, there's – without Porzingis, that could, that could pose a problem for the, uh, for the Mavericks in the long run. Um, you know, one of the things – to uh, to bring up here is LeBron James. Even though the return of LeBron James last night, that still wasn't enough. Kings 
as the Kings won 110 to 106. Yes. And LeBron only had, wait a minute, I've got this. Oh, okay, no, he had 16 points. That's not bad for a, for a first game back. Uh, 16 no. points, eight rebounds, seven assists. Yeah, that's that's regular LeBron numbers. Uh, Anthony Davis, though, was the uh, was the lead point guy last night. Twenty two points, uh, eleven rebounds for the Lakers. But you know, right now, right now, it does look like though that the Lakers are going to be. Um, it looks like they're probably secured in as the number five seed, and they're yeah. going to be. Either that, or they could fall to number six, where they would have where they would have a uh, first round matchup with the Clippers. Uh, but right now, it looks like they're going to face the Denver Nuggets in the first round, which could pose a problem potentially. Uh, so yeah. we we could possibly have an early exit for LeBron this year. Looks that uh, way. The number seven. The Lakers have how they've been. Yeah. Uh, the number seven seed belongs to the Portland Trailblazers. They will, as of now, face the Memphis Grizzlies in the uh, in the playoff tournament or the play-in tournament. Uh, the loser of that game will face the winner of Golden State and San Antonio. And San Antonio kind of got a. Uh, their uh, their standings are kind of screwed up now because of what should have been yeah. a win last night for them. They were leading the Celtics by 32 points at one point. And they collapsed and died. Comeback in modern basketball history, I believe, because uh, I think the yes. biggest one was in 2007 when the Kings came back from 35 down. I think I remember that. I believe that's I believe that's what it was. I was I was trying to remember uh, scrolling through Twitter last night as uh, as the game was going on. And actually, you know what? Jason Tatum got kind of uh, you know I, I I I'm gonna sound a little bit bitter because I'm a I'm a Celtics fan here, but he did he did kind of he did kind of get screwed. Uh, in trying to break the record of Larry Bird because mm-hmm. he was going towards the hoop and he was he was technically in the wind up of of attempting to shoot of attempting to you know try and uh, try and make a layup and called they said that it was a foul before he took the shot yeah. but there were different analysts who said that that should have been an and one. So technically Tatum could have, could have had 61 points last night. But, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of nitpicking there, but, uh, Overall, Lou, what what do you think of the of the NBA playoff picture here? You know, who do you think, uh, as the season winds down, are probably going to be the favorites 
for each conference. You know, you know I'm going to go on to say the Jazz for the West. And I'm going to say the Nets for the East. You know, I can, I, I can, I, I, I can see the Jazz in the West. I can I can definitely see the Jazz, especially considering we we have questioned them all season, you know, as to whether yes. or not they could uh, they could maintain the level of play that they were playing at, and they really have overachieved, if anything, with that with the roster that they have. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would not rule out Phoenix though, because Phoenix. Yeah. I guess it was just the acquisition of Chris uh, Paul has made them this much better, but you know Phoenix is a legitimate force in that in that Western Conference this year. And obviously, assuming if the Lakers can get it, can get it all together, you can't rule out the Lakers with them having uh, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and well, uh, and Andre Drummond. True, injury is is probably playing a huge part. Um, no question in the Lakers uh, in the Lakers record right now, and also another thing that could backfire on them is the fact that they don't have, uh, you know, they they lost Dwight Howard in free agency. They lost Rajon Rondo in free agency, or actually no, they lost uh, Rondo actually. Wait, yeah, in free agency. I forgot. Rondo, he got traded to uh, the Clippers in a deadline deal uh, with the Atlanta Hawks. So the Lakers, you know, they did lose quite a few key members of that roster, uh, particularly off the bench. You know, and I think it could be a bigger hill to climb for the Lakers this year if they're hoping to defend their title. Uh, for the for the East, assuming that they're all healthy, I would say it's probably going to no. be Brooklyn. I would say it's pro it's probably going to be Brooklyn if they can all stay healthy. Okay. Uh, however, yeah. though, I would not I would not rule out Philadelphia because of what Doc Rivers has been able to uh, to do with Joel Embiid, the fact that he's been yeah. able to get Embiid to buy in to to his game plan and Embiid has just been performing at at, at a monstrous level this year he, probably the best uh year he's had of his career so far yes i mean rivers he does a lot he does he does good with uh, with uh with younger with younger uh players so you know, I wouldn't rule out the 76ers this year. I think uh, this year could be the year that they finally make that jump into at least the conference finals. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Knicks, I think, you know, I think the Knicks get by Atlanta in the first round. However, that means that they would have okay. to face the winner of, uh, they would have to, they would have to probably face Brooklyn in the second round, probably oh, when they yeah. make their exit. Yeah. Although actually that depends though because if uh if oh. Boston if Boston ends up winning, yeah, because because of the number 1 seed, you know, you you oh. sorry, you face uh 
you face whatever team is the lowest seed remaining. So right. if if Boston somehow upsets Milwaukee or the number seven seed upsets uh, Philadelphia, you know, Brooklyn won't necessarily be facing New York in the, uh, in the second round. So that right. obviously remains to be seen. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think this could be killer, uh, playoff round, uh, you know, playoff, uh, rounds that we, that we see here for, uh, for the NBA this year. The NHL, here's where it gets interesting. Yes. NHL, we do have teams that have already clinched their spots. Uh, For the Discover Central, we have Carolina, Florida, and Tampa Bay all officially clinched into the playoffs. Carolina leading the the, uh, division, might I add. Uh, in the Honda West Division, you have Vegas, Colorado, and Minnesota locked in. Uh, Scotia North, you currently have only Toronto with Edmonton and Winnipeg currently uh, in the second and third spots, but Montreal is still in the, uh, is still in the discussion. Um, the Mass Mutual East, you have uh, Pittsburgh, Washington, and the Islanders all locked in with Boston right on the outside. And I assume that if Boston is able to close things out, they're probably going to get in because they're only one point behind New York. And they're currently eight points ahead of the Rangers. So assuming that they can close things out, they're probably going to get in. Um. You know, this is a, this is another thing too. Uh, Boston, ever since they acquired Taylor Hall, it seems like their second line has had a gigantic boost ever since. Yeah, Morgan say for the Devils because Krejci has had, I think, fourteen or fifteen points ever since. Uh, I mean, he had three assists today. Uh, so he ha- he's had 14 or 15 points ever since Taylor Hall joined the roster. And that's probably the the biggest issue he's always had is not having a dependable uh, wingman to uh, to play with. At least not uh, not since. Uh, you know, not since uh, Marcus Johansson, or if you want to go further back, Milan Lucic. Okay, I'll go further back. <laughs> From what it looks like right now, uh, I don't know exactly what they're going to do in terms of actual matchups. But let me see. Right. How many? Wait, how many playoff teams are there normally? There's normally what sixteen. Yeah, sixteen playoff teams. Okay, so if we want to go based out of the whole league. Uh, there are six spots remaining. If we're going based off of the rest of the league, you have Boston, you have Boston in the 11th spot. You have Edmonton in the 12th, uh, the Rangers in the 13th, Nashville in the 14th, mm. Winnipeg in the 15th, and Montreal in the 16th. 
Yeah, but they're only going so, by division winners this year. Top four yeah. division make so it. If, if they're going, if they're going by, well, yeah, the top ones in the division automatically make it. Yeah, but uh, there are wild card spots, so I don't know how they how they're actually going to do that. So well, if you I take think away, just cruise the last one. Well, no, the Islanders. The Islanders are one of the uh, are one of the three definites because there's there's three definite ones for each division. So there's twelve okay. definite teams, and then there's four wild card spots. Well, yeah, but with the uh, Islanders being the Rangers tonight, and um, I think their tragic numbers now down to just one is just down to one. Yeah, they got. They currently have a one point lead in the standings over the Boston Bruins, mm-hmm. from what it looks like. Uh, which is what's kind of surprising, though, is Boston has a better win percentage, yet the Islanders are ahead of them, mainly due to points. Yes, but wait, how many games are there? Fifty two. Fifty six. 56. Okay, so yes. Boston has six games left. Ooh, okay, this is interesting. So, assuming assuming they do one wild card team per per division, you have Boston ahead of the Rangers by eight by eight points. Yes, and the Rangers only have four games left. So if the Rangers lose yeah. one of those next four games, the Rangers are eliminated. Unless the only way that they're not eliminated is if there's the po- if there's the possibility that there can be two wild card teams from the same division. Mm. Which, if that's the case, then they can potentially steal a spot from Montreal. Okay. As Montreal sits sits at fifty five points right now, mm-hmm. so that's going to be that's going to be uh, an interesting one to keep an eye on here uh, as we go on down the as we go on down down the line here for the uh, for the NHL playoffs. Right. Uh, real quick, Lou, did you happen to catch? any of the UFC event that, that took place last week? No, I did not, but I heard about the uh, gruesome uh, fight that only took 18 seconds after that uh, pounding. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't just a pounding. Uh, Uriah Hall broke Chris yes. Weidman's leg. Yes. And I saw the replay and the audience reaction, not only did he break his leg, but it was a compound fracture. If you're looking at the replay, because you can see an actual slit open up on his leg. Uh, And now, basically, that's probably the end of Weidman's career. Uh, The rest of the... You know, the rest of the card had some pretty impressive uh, knockouts. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko, she defeated Jessica Andrade. 
uh, by knockout with elbows. Rose Nama Yunus beat uh, Zhang Weilei by a head kick early on in the first round to win the strawweight title back. And uh, Kamaru Usman shut up uh, Jorge Masvidal with a knockout punch in the second round. Uh, overall, this was, you know, this was the first event that actually had uh, fans of at least 15,000. From all indications, it did a pretty huge, a pretty huge gate, 3.3 million for the gate. So it did have a disappointing buy rate, though, of only 700,000. And not just that, but uh, tying a little bit of boxing into here, uh, we had a confrontation between Jake Paul and uh, Daniel Cormier. And Jake Paul pretty much, uh, pretty much is saying that Cormier is afraid to afraid to fight him, uh, and stuff like that. And uh, Colby Covington of the UFC has now insisted that Jake Paul's knockout of Ben Askren was a work. Basically, that that Askren uh, took a dive, basically for $500,000, essentially. Um, Now, Jake Paul, he has since declined Daniel Cormier's challenge of fighting Cormier in mixed martial arts, um, instead wanting to stay safe in the world of boxing, where as part of that Triller network or whatnot, you know, the more that I think of it, Lou, the more that I think that Jake Paul is never going to really be an actual boxer. That no, I don't think just so. Gonna knock, that he's just going to knock out these these fighters who, okay, maybe he knocks out some MMA fighters, but, you know, he's never going to actually, uh, actually fight a real boxer. No, no, of course not. Because... Uh, you know, I'd love to be proven wrong, but from all indications, it looks like he's kind of, it seems like he's kind of afraid because uh, he got challenged. He actually got challenged by a, uh, by an MTV reality star who is a legitimate gold glove boxer uh, because of his amateur boxing days. Uh, gold gloves, uh, uh, obviously, they go to uh, the winner of uh, amateur boxing tournaments. And the guy has two amateur boxing, uh, uh, a two-time gold glove, am- uh, two-time gold glove boxer. And uh, apparently, he he challenged Jake Paul to be his next opponent, uh, to be the next opponent for Jake Paul. And it's been literally radio silence from Paul's side. Pretty much what is it? It tells you that he's afraid to actually fight a real boxer. Yeah. And instead, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to hide behind, uh, you know, fighting former Both NBA doors. players or 
fighting NBA, fighting former NBA players or fighting celebrities or something like that. Right. I mean, it's going to be kind of embarrassing for him. Uh, oh, I yeah, forgot about the watch. Of, yeah. No, no, it's definitely embarrassing for us to watch. Yeah. Uh, I forgot about these two, uh, these two little, uh, tidbits here in the NHL. Uh, Jonas Corposalo of the Columbus Blue Jackets will miss the final or the remainder of, of the season due to a lower body injury. Uh, this year he had a 9-13-7 and record with a 3.30 goals against average and a 90 uh, or an 89.4 save percentage in 34 games uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, with him being sidelined, Elvis Merzlikens will be the primary goaltender for the rest of the year. Uh, also, uh, Vancouver Canucks fourth liner Jake Virtanen has been placed on indefinite leave while the Canucks investigation, investigate allegations of sexual misconduct against Jake Virtanen. Um, A statement by the Canucks says, we have become aware of the concerning allegations made about Jake Viertonen. Our organization does not accept sexual misconduct of any kind, and the claims as reported are being treated very seriously by us. We have engaged external expertise to assist in an independent investigation, and we have placed the player on leave as we await more information. And as of the time of uh, of that article, uh, Virtanen has not commented on the allegations. And if anything, uh, the stuff that he had put on his Twitter account, his Twitter has been deactivated. So it, it kind of sounds like to me that he's trying to hide something. Yeah, it does sound like to me too. That he's trying to shut. He's trying to shut everything down, basically, and try to cl- try to claim, you know, that that nothing's really going on. That's what it kind of sounds like. Um, let's see here in Major League Baseball, uh, we do have uh, some tidbits. Uh, the Cubs they have designated right-handed reliever Brandon Workman for assignment. Uh, Justin Steele has been recalled from their alternate training site to take his place. Uh, he had signed a one-year, $1 million contract with the Cubs late this offseason. Uh, the contract came with about $2 million in incentives for the former Red Sox closer. Uh, but his stint with the Cubs looks to be over after just eight innings of work, uh, surrendering six runs on a dozen hits, including two homers along with seven walks and 11 strikeouts. Uh, he was clobbered last year for a 5.95 ERA in 19 and two-thirds frames between the Red Sox and the Phillies last year. Uh, so that's uh, a huge step back for him. Uh, Seattle starting pitcher James Paxton has officially undergone Tommy John surgery. So he will miss the rest of this year as well as a significant portion of next year for the Mariners. Uh, Also undergoing Tommy John surgery was San Diego Padres left-hander Adrian Morjan. He'll miss the rest of this season and a sizable portion of next year as well. 
He last appeared for the Padres on April 11th after uh, departing during the first inning with a left forearm strain. Uh, 22 years old, but still not not good to have Tommy John surgery. But maybe perhaps well, uh, age you know, might he, he play can a, back from that. He's young. Yeah, he he'll be able to bounce back because of his age. Uh, also, the Yankees they have traded outfielder Mike Talkman to the San Francisco Giants for left-handed reliever Wandy Peralta or Vandy Peralta. I don't know how they how they pronounce it. Um, according to Jack Curry of Yes Network, uh, New York will also receive a player to be named later in the deal. Uh, this sends Talkman back to the National League West, where the former 10th round pick played with the Rockies from 2017 to 2018. Uh, he was previously acquired by the Yankees for lefty Philip Deal shortly before the 2019 season. At first, he looked like a steal for the Yankees, appearing in 87 games as a reserve in his first year with the team and, bat- and batted tw- 277 with 13 home runs and six steals over 296 plate appearances that year. Yes. Uh, however, things have, from what it appears, things have, uh, have fallen off, essentially. Uh, Peralta... Peralta started his career in 2016 with the Reds, who lost him on waivers to the Giants late in the 2019 season. Um, He has had trouble keeping runs off the board, though, as through 192 and two-thirds innings, including eight and a third this season, he has recorded a 472 ERA uh, during his career. He does still have a minor league option remaining, though he'll only be eligible for arbitration one more time. Mm. However, he will give uh, the Yankees a third southpaw relief option behind closer uh, Eraldis Chapman and Lucas Lucci. Uh, As obviously the Yankees have had to go uh, this season without Zach Britton, who's one of their primary lefties, who's on the mend from arthroscopic elbow surgery and probably won't return until the summer. Right. And, and also, I don't know if you've heard about this, Lou, but the Yankees are reportedly talking about potentially moving on from Aaron Judge. Yes, I've heard. And to me, um, that I'm kind of seems, I mean, that kind of, that kind of seems a little too – a little too hasty considering judge is. judge is only 24 years old or wait. No, he's 29 years old. He made his debut at 24 years old. Uh, he's 29 years old. He has seven homers this year, batting 272. I mean, I granted he had, he had a shortened season last year. Uh, only hitting nine homers and 22 RBIs, but he was he was dealing with injuries too, I believe, last year, wasn't he? Yes. Despite playing in 28 games, uh, I guess their big thing is he still has yet to play a full major league, a full 162 major league season uh, because of because of injuries. This is a guy who, when he was healthy once hit 52 homers in a season in his second year. So 
I really don't understand why the Yankees are potentially toying with the idea of of moving on from from Judge. What do you th- What do you think about this, Lou? Yeah, I don't, I'm not I'm not sure about that. I mean, okay, so Judge has lost a step, but I don't think it's enough where they're gonna you know have to move him on. I really I really think it's being blown out of proportion. Yeah, I mean, he's still one of the focal points of that Yankee offense. You know, yeah, there's. Yeah. Uh, I I really don't see any benefit from moving on from him. No. I mean, granted, the Yankees, you know, I'd say that the problem is more with pitching as opposed to hitting. Because they they uh, they have scored 108 runs, which granted it is kind of low, but they have also, they've given up 96 which actually is one of the lowest numbers, I think, in the league. Close to it. Well, maybe the problem is offense, then. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but as things stand in the AL East right now, the uh, the Boston Red Sox stand uh, on top at 17 and 11. Uh, then you have the Toronto Blue Jays at 13 and 12. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles are tied with the New York Yankees uh, at 13 and 14, and you have the Tampa Bay Rays at 13 and 15. In the AL Central, you got the Kansas City uh, Royals surprisingly leading the division at 16 and nine, uh, a game and a half ahead of the Chicago White Sox at 15 and 11. You got the Cleveland Indians at 12 and 13. The Minnesota Twins at nine and sixteen, and the Detroit uh, Tigers at eight and twenty. In the AL West, you have the Oakland Athletics at sixteen and twelve. Then you have uh, a tie for second place there with Houston and Seattle at fifteen and twelve. The LA Angels are at five hundred, uh, twelve and twelve, and you have the Texas Rangers at twelve and sixteen. In the NL East, good God, there's not even a single team in the NL East that actually has a winning record. Uh, nope. The Philadelphia Phillies are at 13 and 14. The Washington Nationals are at 11 and 12, 10 and 11. And yet, surprisingly, all three of them are tied for the division lead. That's uh, the only thing is, is, yeah. That just shows you how bad the NL East is right now. The only yeah, the only yeah, thing that's keeping Philadelphia, the only thing that's keeping Philadelphia in the lead is their win their win percentage. Uh-huh. Uh Atlanta, they're at twelve and fifteen, and Miami is at eleven and fifteen. In the NL Central, you got the Milwaukee Brewers in the lead at sixteen and ten. You have uh, St. Louis right behind them at 15 and 12. Uh, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh are tied at 12 and 14. And you have the Chicago Cubs at 12 and 15. And in the NL West, you have San Francisco surprisingly ahead of the Dodgers by a half game at 16 and 10, followed by the Dodgers at 16 and 11. You have the San Diego Padres at 15 and 12, the Arizona Diamondbacks at 14 and 12. 
and the Colorado Rockies at 9-17. and 17. So right now, from what it looks like, it looks like the NL West is probably the most uh, – well, actually, no, I shouldn't say that. I would say the NL West – shit, the NL and the AL West are probably the two mm. – uh, the two most competitive divisions right now. I mean, Lou, doesn't it seem kind of odd looking at all of these records and just seeing how many losing records we're seeing out of different teams early on this season? Yes, I've noticed. I've noticed that. But it's always been one division that's been incredibly weak, you know, because of until you go the last few weeks of the season. And, you know, coming off from last season where we it was everything was all just out of out of whack. Um I don't know if I see um, you know, a division uh winner with a losing record this year. It's too soon to tell. But, you know, this uh, division is just playing horrific baseball right now. Yeah, with the NLE. Yeah, I, I, um you know the AL East, even though they have losing records, uh, except uh, except Boston and Toronto by only one game for Toronto. Uh, despite having losing records, they're still incredibly close, though. You know, yeah. Baltimore and New York are at thirteen and fourteen apiece. Tampa's at thirteen and fifteen. It almost seems like the AL East yeah. is probably, I wouldn't say the closest division because. Uh, you know, Boston has at least a two-and-a-half game lead over Toronto right now, and then it goes to three-and-a-half and then four. But it seems like this is the division that actually has uh, the closest opportunity for a, for a potential switch to where yeah. neither team to where neither team is out of it. Well, I just don't think about, but mm, I don't see it happening. You know, it's not like it's not like Minnesota, for example, who's nine and sixteen, or Detroit, no, no, who's no. eight and twenty. There's there's no sort of trend that's saying, oh, you know, New York can't come back from thirteen and fourteen, or Tampa Bay, even though they're in the cellar at, at thirteen and fifteen. Yes. You know, that doesn't mean that they're not going to be able to uh, to come back up. But meanwhile, you have, you know, teams like Detroit at 8-20 and 20, who are 1-9 in their last 10 games. Uh, you know, you got Colorado at 9-17. and 17. You know, there's there, there are some teams that are – that the way they're trending, you can tell that – you know they're not really going to be a uh, you know they're not they're not really going to be a no much of a problem basically you know this is obviously it's still very early on in uh, in the baseball season this year so uh, the best part about this season is we're going to actually have a full season so. You know, it's definitely going to be. Yeah, we hope at least. Uh, so it's you know it's it's definitely going to be a uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting um, 
an interesting season as the I, I want to see you know for the further we go into into this season, just yeah. exactly if these divisions actually stay on the track that they're on, or if we see any shifting. Um. Oh, we do have something here for the Cardinals. This might be bad. Uh, right-hander Jordan Hicks left tonight's game due to what the team described as right arm tightness. Uh-huh. Uh, he began the seventh inning and allowed a hit over two-thirds of an inning before he left the game. Uh, he had a noticeable wince and flex of the arm after tossing his final pitch. Uh, the Cardinals' announcement had specified that he was removed for precautionary reasons, though that preliminary diagnosis of arm tightness is a cause for concern considering his history as he underwent Tommy John surgery back in June of 2019, and he didn't pitch at all last year after opting out of the season due to COVID concerns. So... And the thing is, too, they haven't rushed him back at all by any stretch, uh, limiting him to only middle relief outings and setup duty, as opposed to uh, as opposed to save situations. But since his long layoff, it's been a mixed bag for him in the ten innings that he's he has a five point four five point four zero ERA this year, that can be largely attributed to a tough outing against the Reds. Uh, back on April 23rd, as his other nine appearances, he has a 2.79 ERA. But to me, Lou, uh, it says here he's experiencing he was experiencing soreness and inflammation in his. Oh boy, yeah, this ain't good. Uh, uh, no, you're talking about inflammation. Know. Yeah, experiencing uh, soreness and inflammation in his elbow, according to manager Mike Schilt. To me, that screams Tommy John. Again. That's not good at all, especially considering his history. Yes. Uh, There's this thing that came out, and this is actually pretty interesting. Um, The Pioneer League is reportedly testing a home run derby in place of extra innings. Yeah. You don't think it's a good idea? I don't know what to think about. I mean, you know, I get the reason behind it. They don't want to wear out the pitching staff, whatnot, but you know how the baseball purists are going to be about this. They're going to be like, what the hell are you thinking? You know, I mean, we're we're doing our own thing now with uh, runners on second base. To, and, to um, I actually like the idea. I don't know how it's really going to play out with the Pioneer League, um, you know, trying to go home run derby. Some might think that, you know, cheapens the game. Like, you know, you say that for, for all-star competition, not during a, a major league game. But I really don't see a problem with it. I mean, because, you know, who wants to sit through a 18 game that's the end of about 2 a.m. in the morning? I mean, you know, that, today's generation doesn't even have that stamina anymore. You know, so yeah, exactly. I'm not, I'm you not know, ruling it out, but maybe a tough sell. 
Yeah, and an- another thing that uh, that they mentioned that uh, they detailed was some of the challenges that lengthy extra innings affairs present to an independent league, including the cost of keeping a park staffed and lit late into the night, uh, the difficulty yeah. of teams finding professional quality players that are able to report. Uh, to Montana, Idaho, and other less populated areas on short notice in order to lessen the toll on an overtaxed bullpen and stuff like that. So I guess they figure that having a home run derby uh, in place will basically save them money and, you know, get them to get them to end the game quicker. But here's a big downfall that I see of this. If you have a home run derby, depending on how they do it, are they going to have like a tire, sort of like what they do with a shootout? No. uh, uh, um, Go ahead. Yeah, I think there's there's a player um, that gets five pitches. I don't think they're going to use the whole team because that would take further. They will use it. Uh, and if it's time to that, then I'll pick another player. Um, to, about that, like a sudden, you know, sudden death uh, type uh, role. So I don't think you're gonna see everybody up at bat. Oh, okay. So it would be it would be more like, uh, you know, they have they take a player to represent each rock to represent each team or something right. like that. Okay, so I guess maybe, but you also risk the the possibility of of wearing out that player, though, in the yeah. process. So I'm not entirely sure I like the idea of doing, I mean, home run derby, yeah, you know, it makes sense if you want to end uh, games on time or, or qu- a lot quicker than, than extra innings. But at the same well, time, you're risking the possibility. You know, you're risking the possibility of of, uh, provi- of of doing damage to the certain player that you use to represent you. Yeah. Like we've seen it in in a home run der- that have happened in home run derbies before in Major League Baseball. You know, players yes. that were on a tear. Players that were on a tear before the All-Star game. Uh, this has just gone final. Uh, Luka Doncic and the Mavericks escape with the win at home against the Wizards, 125-124. to 124. Just Talk about uh, they are now the number five seed in the West. Uh, the Lakers slide to number six. Even though they're the same record uh, due to a tiebreaker, uh, uh, head-to-head matchups, the uh, Mavericks are currently the number fifth seed now. But, uh, yeah, you know, when it comes to, you know, like we've seen before in Major League Baseball, you know, a player that may have been red hot beforehand, they sometimes lose their power for the rest of the season. Yeah you know, after participating in a home run derby. So you kind of risk that if you're, you know, if you're going, if you're going to, going to do that in the pioneer league 
and maybe potentially adopt it for Major League Baseball? I don't think that'll ever happen in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Uh, but you know, it's it, it, it's just it. it I, I how, how do I put it? Um, yeah, it's it's just you risk the possibility of potentially, uh, you know, missing out uh, on on extra power or extra home runs from those players later on in the season. Uh, let's see. Oh, we do. I do have a one bit here. We were talking uh, about the standings. Um, in hockey, uh, the Bruins do need just a point to get their playoff mm-hmm. spot. Given the Rangers, the Rangers uh, because of a tiebreaker, uh, the range the Bruins hold the uh, tiebreaker over the Rangers. Yeah. So the Bruins technically just need a point in order to clinch their playoff spot at this point. Uh, and a official scoring change from the Buffalo Sabres game against the Boston Bruins. Uh, Craig Smith's goal in the third period is now from David Krejci and Taylor Hall, as opposed to David Krejci and Charlie Coyle. Uh, that has just come uh, has just come over here. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Jeff Bridich has apparently stepped down as Rockies general manager. Uh, in a statement that was released by the Rockies, uh, apparently both sides have mutually agreed that Bridich would step down from his duties uh, with the club. They will appoint an interim general manager for the remainder of the of the uh, season and will look for a full-time general manager after the season is over. Um, yes, which kind of makes sense considering they're off to such a poor start this year that mm. they've they've finally decided I guess that uh you know changes have to be made after right god knows how many seasons of uh how many seasons of of uh, bad starts uh, also also, the Houston Astros have officially announced uh, that they have signed Martin Maldonado to a one-year extension. Uh, he is guaranteed $5 million, uh, along with a $5 million vesting option for the 2023 season uh, as part of the extension for the longtime uh, Astro Martin Maldonado. And speaking of extensions, no extension negotiations have been made at all between the Atlanta Braves and their star first baseman, Freddie Freeman. And from what it sounds like, there is a chance, there is a chance that this may be his final season with the Braves as he is not signed beyond the season. And there's time. There is time. Yes. Uh, Cations are they are not progressive. They have not had any talks whatsoever. There have been no negotiations. Um, 
as Freeman was asked about it uh, on Tuesday, and he said there is no negotiations. Uh, he added that discussing a deal during the season would be a distraction, and I don't like distractions. My main focus is the game tonight, and I don't think there's going to be much talking anytime soon. So if he hits the free agent market this year, he's going to be one of the most sought-after names just based off of what he has been able to do uh, since the 2018 season. Um, he, Or actually, no, since he signed that nine-figure deal uh, previously – uh, he has batted 294 with 245 homers in 6,036 plate appearances, and he has only missed four games dating back to the beginning of the 2018 season. Mm-hmm. And he's currently on pace for another tremendous year. Granted, he's only hit 233 so far, but he has had five homers uh, with a 14 to six walk to strikeout ratio in 75 plate appearances, and it sounds like uh, while his batting average is uncharacteristically low, data suggests that he will eventually soar closer to his lifetime mark of 3.39 as the season goes on. It's safe to say if. Freddie Freeman ends up reaching the market. It's going to be uh, he's going to he's going to have quite the uh, paycheck headed his way. Also today we had the uh, we had the Kentucky Derby, uh, which was yes. won by Medina Spirit, Medina Spirit. Uh, by Hall of Fame. Uh, Medina Spirit is uh, owned by Hall of Fame trainer Bob Baffert. And let me see, actually, what were the odds for... Okay, yeah, it was a huge upset over Mandaloon and uh, favorite essential quality. As Medina Spirit was... Hang on a minute. What was the... They're not saying what the oh, Medina Spirit was plus twelve hundred on the odds, sure. which uh, basically. Hang on, I want to see. I want to see exactly what the yeah they were at twelve to one odds. Basically, the odds are the qual are the top three horses. Had essential quality at five to two, rock your world at nine to two, and hot rod Charlie at five to one. Uh, known agenda and highly motivated were down to ten. Were down to ten to one with about twenty minutes until the post. And, and they were then and they were not Spirit, motivated. Well, obviously, after uh, after how everything ended, um, essential quality was basically the favorite at three to one. Uh, right. right, right up to the uh, right up to the top. So this was a pretty big upset. As just uh, just taking yeah, a look yeah. at the uh, I mean I, I I don't know exactly 
you know, what you would have had to put down to win a certain amount. But, um, right. I, this, uh, this was a pretty, a pretty significant win, uh, though, for anybody who, uh, who picked them. Um, yeah. So, uh, in order of finish, you had Medina spirit followed by mandaloon, uh, then hot rod, Charlie, then Essential Quality, O Bezos, uh, Midnight Bourbon, Keep Me in Mind, uh, Helium, Known Agenda fell all the way to number nine, uh, followed by Highly Motivated at 10, Sainthood in the uh, 11th, Like the King in 12th, Glenn Strong in 15th, Superstock in 16th, the five and one odd Rock Your World finished in 17th. Yeah. Dynamic won in 18th, Soup and Sandwich in 19th, and King Fury was, I believe, scratched. Um, so yeah. they had they had 19 horses uh, racing this year. Well, one was scratched too. Yeah, it says King Fury. King Fury was uh, diagnosed with a fever, so he was mm-hmm. so uh, that horse was scratched. Anyway, you know, I think uh I think we're probably going to ca- going to call it a little bit early tonight. Um cuz oh. obviously a big a big uh a lot of the discussion was uh was done uh Thursday night and focused uh primarily on the uh on the NFL draft. Um I see. so right. you know, there wasn't really there wasn't really that many uh that many topics for tonight, so uh, we will be back uh, next Saturday night uh, for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Uh, Lou, right. thank you for uh, for joining me tonight. Um, my pleasure. And plus, my my voice is kind of getting a little, kind of getting I a little tell. low right now. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna call it a night uh, tonight. Uh, so, thank you, Lou, for joining me. Uh, anybody who is a member of um, who, who listens to these podcasts, if you want to hear more, you can subscribe to the Missy AE podcast on either blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE or by going to iTunes and subscribing uh, by searching Missy AE on there. You'll get access to not just this podcast, but all of our other podcasts. Uh, that we have done in the past, including the Survivor and Big Brother Memories podcast that we've done. Um, let's see. What else did I want to mention uh, before we go off here? Oh, uh, yeah. As far as a potential uh, podcast this upcoming week, as far as I know, I think we will probably be having one, but um I'm going to have to double check with Jim on that. Uh, but in, yeah. in all possibility, it sounds like it will probably be Thursday. Um, yeah. But anyways, uh, Lou, thank you for joining me. Uh, we My will be back for sports, for sports whispers weekly. We will be back next Thursday night uh, for, or not, not next Thursday, next Saturday night. 
for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Everybody have a good rest of your weekend, and uh, we will see you guys next Saturday. Good night, folks. Good night, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.